What's good, everybody? Uh, welcome to a birthday edition of BK Talks. Uh, this one is being recorded on August 4th, 2021. I am officially 39 years of age, getting closer to the big 4-0. And in these uh, past 39 years on this earth, I've come to realize and understand and accept the fact that professional athletes are way better at their sport than the common person seems to give them credit for. Uh, so this episode will serve as a PSA to all the people out there who continue to lay out these half-baked, insane scenarios uh, where a professional athlete plays against some other person and loses. Uh, because you guys are crazy. And I can't pretty it up. I normally try to use flowery language, language and and not be so harsh, but nah, you guys are crazy. This episode was inspired by a tweet I saw today. Uh, and it laid out a scenario where a younger LeBron, I guess, in his athletic peak, uh, where if LeBron had two years of boxing training, would he be able to beat prime Mike Tyson in a boxing match? And 1986 through 1990, Kid Dynamite, the, the baddest man on the planet, Mike Tyson, uh, uh, I don't know what's wrong with people, but I'll get into that. But I'll also mention a uh, podcast interview that Brian Scalabrini did where he laid out some scenarios that illustrate the point, the overall point that I'm making. And I'll also bring up something from my own personal experience, not with a high level athlete, but people who might be the rung right below. And uh, we'll see how that helps to illustrate my point as well. Now, first, let me talk about Brian Scalabrini. He did an interview a little while back. I saw it like a month or two ago, but I'm not sure if it was recorded recorded sooner than that. Uh, but he did an interview with Duncan Robinson, which is, who is a current NBA player, I believe with the Miami Heat right now. Uh, he's a white basketball player, Brian Scalabrini, another uh, white basketball player. And the, the segment of that interview that I saw centered around Brian Scalabrini's scallenges. Uh, in which he played against regular people one-on-one uh, -on -one and uh, kind of made this a thing where he, he toured around the country, like different parts of the country played different people, and he won, <laughs> basically. Uh, but for basketball fans, or for non-basketball fans, uh, Brian Scalabrini was a uh, long-time NBA basketball player. You can call him a journeyman because he did play for multiple teams. Uh, he was not considered a superstar. So I guarantee you, uh, you didn't buy his jersey unless you were like a member of his immediate family. And even then, you probably still didn't buy his jersey. Uh, you probably didn't drop 40 points a game with him in the NBA 2K series either. And you probably didn't collect his basketball card uh, or anything like that. But he was an NBA player, uh, not considered elite by any stretch. Uh, he did. He was, of course, prior to that, a scholarship uh, division one athlete. So he, he was good enough to get a, a division one basketball scholarship <clears throat> and make it into the league. So that should tell you, that should be enough for the, for most people to realize, all right, this guy, he might not be a star. He might be a scrub compared to these super athletes that are better than him in the NBA, but he's better than the average dude. But apparently, I guess that wasn't enough because people swore up and down that they could beat this guy 
in one-on-one basketball games. And when you listen to the interview, Scalabrini laid out just how he would essentially destroy all these people one-on-one. People who would look at him, see him as a, a, a slow-footed white guy and think that they could beat him and then underestimate just how agile he was or how quick he was. Uh, he would also highlight the fact that maybe some guys would score on him, but that would usually be like early in the game where they got off their first bucket. But then once he started to diagnose how they played, he shut them down the rest of the way. So that should also highlight something else. That should highlight the the amount of study that these high-level professional athletes uh, uh, do daily to become experts at their respective games, even if they're not great compared to other pro athletes. And that should be enough. That should be enough to, to solidify the point that I'm making that, hey, we're not as good as those guys are. Yeah, we can call them bombs. We can call them bust. We can call them bad or whatever. But we're doing that within the context of pro athletes amongst themselves, uh, amongst each other. We're not doing that amongst the whole wide uh, pop- population of people who play a specific sport or <clears throat> or anything like that. But Scalabrini, I, I really enjoyed listening to, to that interview because it, it highlights something that I already knew to be true. <laughs> like these guys are just better than us. And people can write them off as, oh, you're just taller than everyone else. Or you're just bigger than everyone else. But no, not necessarily. That That's not that's one factor that might have helped him get into the league. But there are other things that he did well or did well enough to hang around in the league. Because there's always going to be tall athletes coming out of college every year. But he managed to get a roster slot uh, for, for multiple years. I want to say at least eight or nine years he played in the league. Maybe even more than that. Uh, but he, he he hung around the league for a long time. <clears throat> and uh, the next scenario kind of related to basketball uh, involves a, someone I actually know, a cousin of mine. He's from the DMV area originally. Uh, he ended up playing Division Two college basketball out on Long Island. I'm not going to give the school or the name, uh, but he was about six foot five, six foot six. Sorry for that little interruption there. Uh, six foot five, six foot six, lefty, uh, played basketball at this Division Two school out in Long Island. Uh, played like a couple of seasons out in Germany. Uh, he came up here uh, to uh, go to school, of course. Um, and I, I accompanied him to a tryout for one of the lower tier uh, basketball leagues in the area. And at this tryout, there was another guy who was like a, a local guy that's pretty known in the area and he was a big 12 basketball player not a high level big 12 player he averaged like uh, sub five points per game uh, the last time i looked at his stats but he was still on that court he looked like a superstar he was blowing blowing by guys like nothing and it, it just highlighted the fact that yo on on a regular court this guy will probably leave you on zero or he'd be so good that you probably couldn't stop him from scoring at will. But against big 12 competition or against high level division one competition, he's probably an average guy. And in some cases, uh, it could be due to not getting opportunities or your teammates are just better than you at your particular 
uh, spot, but you're good enough to earn a scholarship at a Big 12 school. In his case, it was Oklahoma State. And uh, my cousin, as I mentioned before, attended school out in Long Island. And while he was there, he would routinely play against some of the, like in pickup games, some of the Division One athletes from the area. Like in one particular case, it was Darryl Showtime Hill. And if you're a basketball fan from the Northeast, in particular, or more specifically, more, uh, more specifically, New York, then you know Daryl Showtime Hill. You know about him from his high school prep days, uh, playing at Cordozo. You know about him being like a playground superstar with the crazy handles, hence the name Showtime. And me being a St. John's fan, I remember him being like one of the best scorers in the Big East during his time here. Uh, on, on some Saint, early 2000s St. John's teams. Well, my cousin played against this guy in a pickup game, and he told me, yo, this guy is just so fast with the ball in his hand. And and, and Daryl Showtime Hill never made a, uh, an NBA career or anything like that. He played overseas, uh, if I remember correctly, but he never made a career out here in the States and in the NBA. He probably dusts people. He probably dusts the average person playing basketball, because you're not going to be able to stay with him. He's going to embarrass you, probably make you fall a couple of times with his dribbling skills, and then get to the basket at will. Yet he's he's a guy who didn't really play in the NBA. And then that kind of leads me into the insane scenario that I saw today on Twitter. It, it inspired me to come on and record this episode, which might turn into a little mini rant. I'm going to try and hold it together, but it might turn into a mini rant. Would LeBron James, with two years of boxing training, be able to beat Kid Dynamite, the man from Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York, the man who went to the Catskills and trained under the legendary Custom model? The man who was laying dudes out left and right, the baddest man on the planet, Mike Tyson. Would that LeBron, with two years of boxing training, be able to beat prime Mike Tyson? And I don't understand. I really don't understand what sparks these kinds of questions. Are people smoking too much? Like, I'm not knocking what people do to get by, but man, you got to put away the phone when you're doing that stuff. Are you drinking a little too much? I know it's legal. Hey, don't log into Twitter, to, into Twitter and tweet these types of weird scenarios because I don't know what to make of you guys. Now, yes, LeBron, elite level basketball player, probably the most gifted uh, physical phenomenon that we've ever seen in the NBA. Big like Karl Malone, quick like a cat. Elite basketball IQ. But none of that means that he beat a pro boxer in, in a boxing match. He might beat him in tic-tac-toe. He might beat him in uno. He might beat him in chess. But he ain't beating a boxer, a pro boxer, a high-level, all-time, Hall of Fame-level boxer in a boxing match. You could give that man 10 years of training. And he probably ain't beating Mike Tyson. Like, people just say these weird things, man, that I just don't understand. Like, we 
totally underestimate just how great these guys are at their respective sports. These guys don't just roll out of bed, put on some gloves, and become great. These guys don't just pick up a basketball one day and turn into an elite-level athlete. No, it takes a lot of real specialized training to get them from like that, that entry point where they first start playing a sport to getting to the top of their respective sports and, and to being, in, in Mike Tyson's case, a dominant performer. And people would like to have you believe that because LeBron is 250 and six foot nine, that all it takes is two years of, of boxing training for him to hang with one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. When that's insane, you can train for two years, but you're probably not, no one's tested your, your jaw in that two-year period. No one's tested how, how well you can take a punch. Mike Tyson is, I mean, he's, he's not uh, the biggest guy in a boxing match in general, but he was knocking out dudes taller than him, man, with extensive reach advantages. People who trained to fight. People who made boxing their, their living. And he beat them. But you, Mr. Uh, phony scenario guy, want us to believe that LeBron James, with just two years of boxing training, would be able to hang with Mike Tyson. He'd hang around as long as Mike Tyson wanted him to hang around. I'll say that much. If Mike Tyson decided to let the fight go any considerable amount of time, he'd, he'd, he'd let him hang around for a little while if he wanted to. But there's no real scenario besides the, the proverbial puncher's chance that LeBron would have. Like, so stop it. <laughs> like, whatever you guys are doing to come up with these weird scenarios, just stop it. I thought seeing the, I don't know if it was Jake Paul or Logan Paul, whoever fought against Mayweather, I thought that fight, or even the McGregor versus Mayweather stuff, I thought that would teach people that you can't just step into someone else's world and, and beat them. But apparently not. <laughs> like, what is it with you guys, man? What is it with you guys? You're not beating a high-level pro athlete in their sport. I don't care what scenario you want to lay out. Maybe if, if Tyson's not allowed to punch, then maybe LeBron can win. Maybe. If, uh, if you drug Mike Tyson with something that makes him dizzy, then maybe LeBron can win that fight. But in a straight-up matchup where you're not handicapping the professional, there's like a 0% chance, beyond that puncher's chance, that a LeBron would win. I thought pros versus Joes would have taught you that too, where you had essentially washed-up retired athletes beating people who swore that they could win in these competitions. Like, like we have zero concept for just how great these guys are because they get on TV and make this stuff look easy. Or they mess up in, in certain spots where we feel like they're human. <laughs> like, well, they are human, but they're still better than our level of human. <laughs> so I don't understand why we keep coming up with these random, weird, and I hate to say it, stupid scenarios. And, I, and, and although it's not really the same thing, you got to stop putting elite level athletes against wild animals, too.
Like, stop that. Usain Bolt. I love Usain Bolt. I'm half Jamaican. My pops is from Westmoreland. But Usain Bolt ain't beating no, the fastest animals on planet. It's not going to happen. So stop it. Mike Tyson. I'm a Brooklyn boy from bed Mike Tyson is from Brownsville, the neighboring the neighborhood on the other side. He ain't beating no gorilla in no fight. Stop it. So chill with these weird-ass scenarios, man. Like, come on. What are we doing? And I think that's enough to conclude this public service announcement. Until the next time you guys come up with another uh, scenario where, I guess, uh, if you put, uh, I don't know, uh, got to come up with something weird. I guess you got to ch- put somebody to challenge Michael Phelps in, in, a, in, a, in a swim meet. I guess if we put uh, Tyreek Hill with three years of swim training, could he beat Michael Phelps? Let that be the next one so I can come back with another episode and tell you how crazy you guys are.